And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% and on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. All right, guys, Josh Thompson, Big John McCarthy, weighing in, Podcast Dave. Uh, make sure you guys hit that thumbs up on the YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, all the platforms. Like our videos, that will share them to everywhere else. And uh, we've got a great show for you today. So today, we um, later on today, we have Juan Archuleta on as well. And, the Spaniard. Uh, the Spaniard, and uh, talks about his potential drop to 135 pounds at Bellator and and the likeliness of maybe 135-pound uh, World Grand Prix tournament for Bellator as well, maybe in the future, and what 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 is potentially up for him coming up so that's a it's a great little show we have with him for about an hour and uh great interview you, with him. hope you guys enjoyed it and he's just an all-around great guy so uh but first let's break down the may 9th card that may or may not happen but fingers crossed <laughs> fingers <laughs> crossed is that why he's in may because oh. it may happen oh that was very it cheesy. may happen it in may. may there you in go may. you want to start at the top of it or the bottom of it um i Go to the bottom. Let's just go to the bottom, yeah. Okay. Cause that way we'll go fast. Yeah, we're gonna break this fight. We're gonna break this fight card down for you guys, and uh, in hopes that you know the fight card will eventually happen. Okay, so these are all the fights listed for the card. So the first one is Rosa versus Mitchell. We're at the very bottom. Oh, the very bottom. Oh, let's talk. Let's. Oh, let's you're start talking with, all preliminary. Yeah, no, no. Let's main talk. Card. Let's, let's talk main, main card. card. Well, okay. so they don't have it. They don't have it broken up that way because it's probably not gonna. It's probably not televised that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first, the first one, um, the first kind of fight that you'll recognize is uh, Jacare versus Hall. Oh, yeah. Uriah Hall. Yep. Uh, I mean, all in all, good fight. You know, Jacare, he's got the power to to finish Hall on the feet, but you know, obviously, his chances of getting the fight to the ground should be good, and I think he's definitely the more, the way more dominant fighter on the ground. Oh, there, come on, no it's doubt not about even it. Close on the ground, but on yeah. the feet. Uriah Hall is very good. Yeah. His technique is outstanding. The the real question with Uriah is does he believe? You know, we talk about it all the time, confidence. And there's certain fighters out there that they lack that confidence. Everybody besides them has nothing but confidence in their abilities. And they personally are just that, oh man, I, I don't want to make a mistake. Oh, this guy's really good. And Uriah many times has been that guy. He just has to believe, hey, if I go out there and do what I do well, I can beat anybody. And he can beat Jacare, and he can hurt Jacare on the feet. Now, obviously, if it goes to the ground, then Jacare has the advantage. But on the feet, Uriah Hall has the advantage. And that's where the fight starts. So this is a really good matchup. Jacare is physically very strong, though, and just so good all the way around. He can, he can, I feel like he can withstand a lot of what Uriah has on the feet as long as he doesn't put himself in a position, you know, he doesn't want to get caught into that, those big exchanges. One or two big throw, like big punches thrown to get into the clinch and then do work from there. He wants to stay now, outside of that power range. He's got to be all the way in or all the way out and yes, press against the fence the or on thing. the ground. I think use the, he needs to use that cage. Yeah. And I think that it, it that is when you're talking in the scheme of the whole fight, Jacare has a better chance of doing that than Uriah does on staying on the outside and being able to keep that distance as, as well as he's going to need to against Jacare. Well, if you're looking at the truth, Jacare has slowed down. Yeah. He just has. Yeah. All right. He's getting older. He's slowing down in some areas. Now he's a smarter fighter in a lot of ways too. So 
he needs to look at this and say, I don't need to get Uriah Hall to the ground. What I need to do is make Uriah Hall carry my weight. Mm-hmm. I need to press him into the cage. I need to get him getting those underhooks that I can just you know sag my weight down and make his arms start to get heavy so that when he does go to throw, it's not near as fast. And now that timing separation starts to close up. So there's ways for both guys to win. Obviously, if I'm looking, I said, Jacare is going to be the betting favorite. He just has more ways of winning the fight if you're going to look at it. But it's a good competitive fight. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, Carlos Barza versus Michelle Watterson. Ooh. That's really a good matchup. I love that matchup. And it's one that we haven't really thought about before. Because, you know, the Cookie Monster, Carla, is she was a... She was the champion, the very first ever yep. strawweight champion. And then you know, she got her title taken by Ioana, but she has been an outstanding wrestler. And she's very tenacious with her wrestling, but her stand-up was always her weakness, and it has gotten much, much better. But the person she's fighting, Michelle does a beautiful job of maintaining distance in a fight when she wants or then closing it up, and she has gotten so good with her wrestling, and her grappling is very good. Her submission game is outstanding. Yeah, uh, you know, she, I did a fight of hers long ago where Jessica Penny was the champion, and Jessica was submitting everyone, and Michelle went in there and submitted yeah. Jessica Penny. And you look and you go, man, Michelle is she's just not that person. She's a small straw straw weight. She could actually fight at atom weight. She could fight at 105, and she's fighting at 115. And does she have the ability to beat Carla? Absolutely. No doubt about it. Does Carla have the ability to take Michelle down, stay out of the submissions, and get a win by beating her up on the ground? Absolutely. This is a really fun fight. I think this is a good matchup. Good difference in in styles. Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. I think, though, too, that it's going to be a lot harder for Carla to catch Michelle Watterson, though. Her footwork, the way she uses her sidekick, the distance, she used the sidekick to the jab, to sidekick to the power, uh, like, left hand. And she just, she does a good job of keeping that range. So oh, Car- she's Carla's, beautiful at keeping range. Carla's going to have to do a good job of either sidestepping that that sidekick and getting in close to the hips to be able to get her down. She's going to have a hard time, especially in the beginning of the fight. She's going to take some shots too in the beginning of the fight. And that, I think how many shots and how many clean shots she takes in the, in the first round will dictate the rest of the fight. If she doesn't, if she's able to kind of avoid a lot of damage in that first round, I think it just becomes like a snowball effect where it gets better for her as the fight goes on. But if she takes a lot of shots in that first round, I think Michelle starts to run slows away down. with it. Yeah, I think yep. I think Carla slows down and Michelle starts to run away with it and it just gets easier for her. So it really comes down to whoever can implement their game plan the best in the first round. And you'll start to see it. Whoever whoever does that will start to run away with the fight, I think. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, that makes Michelle very her balance is outstanding. Mm-hmm. And you you'll talk to someone about, you know, she throws that side kick and she throws a front kick, and you want them to sweep that kick away. And, and especially if you're Carla. When you sweep that kick, you want to go forward because you want to take her off center. Yeah. And now is your opportunity to either get your hands together on her or not. Can Carla do that? That's the question. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think she can. And I, I'm a huge Carla fan. I just don't <laughs> think she can. I don't think she can. A lot of other girls have a little bit better movement, a little bit um, more athleticism to get and close that distance. And they haven't been able to do it as well. So 
Carla is a more of she's very straight up and down fighter. Her standup has gotten better. I will agree with you. 100%, Way better. A lot better. Way better. And her wrestling is still just as good, but she just doesn't she doesn't close that distance as fast as some others that have fought Michelle before have been able to, and they still weren't didn't have the success that she's going to need to have. Like I said, though, but Carly needs to punch her way in quickly, not give her the range to use that sidekick, and she needs to get her pressed against the fence and try to get that takedown as early and as often as possible. That will dictate the rest of the fight, I think, as the fight goes on. But you are right. You are correct. This, is, this has the potential of being a really good fight. Really does. Uh, Fabricio Verdun versus Alex Gay Olenek. This is an easy fight, in my opinion. Yeah. I'm sorry. I love Alexi, and I will tell you, Alexi Olenek is one of the strongest squeezes. Mm -hmm. When you talk about a guy, and we, you know you know the difference when one guy throws a choke on you and then another guy that's just got this squeeze. That is Alexi Olenek. That dude squeeze is so hard. It's incredible. But he's fighting a guy that outmatches him just about in every aspect of the grappling game when it comes to knowledge and skill level. Fabricio's, uh, he's a better stand-up fighter now by far than Alexi. Alexi needs to get this fight to the ground. And who wants to go to the ground with Fabricio? That's just not a good place to be. I don't look at this as a, a very competitive fight. I think Fabricio takes this. Here's the only problem that I have that with what you're saying is that Verdum is a very up and down fighter. He almost like rises to the occasion of how good his opponent is. And there's times where he just doesn't show up. And that's been the story of his career. Like no one would have ever foreseen him being as good as he was against Cain Velasquez, against other guys. And Fedor, you know, he rises to those guys almost to the competition that he's fighting. Like he raises to that level. But then there's guys he's fought and you're like, you should have beat this guy. Like, you know, and then just he has a bad, lackluster performance. Who, who is it that gives Fabricio problems? Come on. Who is it? Guys that have big, big power, big shots. You take a look at, you know, when he lost to Stipe. Yeah. He's moving forward so fast. Take a look at when he loses to, to Junior Dos Santos. Mm -hmm. Again, trying to move in because he, he doesn't have to worry about the footwork and the great stand up game of Alexi Olenek. Yeah. And that's why I look at this one. It's like, man. This one is just on. When I saw the card come out, I was like, "Oh, that that one's just not a good matchup yeah. style wise for Alexi, in my opinion." And I like Alexi; it's just bad, bad matchup for him. Got it. Greg Holiday versus uh, Jorgen De Castro. They're both unranked, but I'm I'm assuming yeah, Greg Holiday, you know, with the name value, is probably why it's being promoted. Well, you know. You got to give Hardy credit. His last fight when he fought in Russia, you know, he actually performed very well you know, against Volkov. He, he he came out, he fought well. He's an athlete. De Castro's a good fighter, big big power. I don't see him landing that big shot on Hardy. Hardy's getting better and better with his understanding of distance. Allowing that guy to come in. Throw their shot, and he's he's just giving that either left, right, or or back lean, and then he's coming back with his counters, or he's setting guys up where he's just coming after him when he feels like you know this is what I need to do. It's a good fight. Now Hardy needs to keep this thing on his feet. Still, he cannot be on his back. He gets on his back in this. Now he's going to be a turtle who's in trouble. But he can be in the top position and be heavy and land big shots. 
but I, I think this is actually a good fight for Hardy. Hardy's he's an athlete, man, and, and when you take that athletic ability that he has, the speed and the strength at a heavyweight level, he can hurt anybody at any time with his power. He obviously doesn't have a great ground game right now. He's still got a lot of learning to do, but his wrestling's gotten better. He understands his wrestling defense. I, I like Hardy in this fight. There's very few heavyweights that have good ground games. You just we brought we just talked about Verdum. Yeah. But you know, there's not the ones they're, majority, they're putting those two together. Yeah, it's like the ones that actually get taken down very very rarely get up. I mean, you've you've seen some guys that were able to do, you know, DC's been able to do it, but he never really hardly ever gets taken down. Kane was able to do it. You know, Brock Lesnar was able to do it a couple of times. He was able to get back up to his feet. But they have that wrestling pedigree where they're able to work their way up from the bottom. You know, guys like that. But it's very rare that you find other guys that are in the heavyweight division that can get up. And Greg Hardy is no different. I just feel like when you put another heavyweight on top of them, like you said, turtle on their back is really what comes to mind. You know, they're flopping around like like a fish on their back. They have no idea how to get up and how to use technique to get up. You know, if they can't muscle the person off, they can't get up. And we, we're not going to see a change from Greg Hardy in that position for at least probably another year or so. You know, and that really depends on him if whether he's utilizing this time and all the time that he has between now and getting to that next upper echelon of fighters, if he's utilizing this time to get better on the ground. And I haven't seen that yet, but no. I mean, you would hope that he is because when that happens, those upper echelon of guys are going to learn to just exploit that, you know, knowing that he can't get up from the bottom. I mean, he, he is athletic, but when you put him in, in there with someone say like Nganu or Stipe who just have a really big fight IQ, you know, I, they're going to end up, just not outworking him, but they're gonna they're gonna use their fight IQ to fight a very smart fight, yeah. frustrate him, and, and just beat him in those areas. He, he's, he's got a not ready for that. He's not. Way. He's not. Yeah. Um. I just I agree with you. The athleticism, all this stuff, will pay off for this fight. Yeah. As long as he's not on his back. Cowboy versus Pettis too. <sighs> Go ahead. I just I, I wonder. I I'm, I have a lot of I have a lot of cons not concerns. I have a lot of thoughts about Cowboy. It, we know he's, he's not the fighter that he was. We I understand that. He's going to fight until the wheels come off. I'm all for oh, you. Yes. If you want to do that, I'm all for it. Um, Pettis feels like, I'm assuming this is at 170. Um, it's not detailed. Okay. It's, no, 55? I mean, I'm, he, did you both last fall at 70? Yeah, I would think yeah. it's probably going to be at 70 probably for both of them. Right. Yeah, there's no reason for either one of them to cut weight. It's not for a potential of a title shot or anything no. so just do it and be happy <laughs> walk in like cut maybe one or two pounds and be happy with it um it makes for a real good fight i think i think pettis has looked better at 170 um than i it, it, except for when he was doing his title runs at 155 and i think cowboy has had his ups and downs at 70 just like he had his ups and downs at 55 and it really just comes down to stylistically you know uh who he fights but well, if, it, the, if it comes stylistically what is it telling you uh, he, I mean, like he's, 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 <laughs> he's just not the same fighter. I can't say this, like, is, you, this, is, this is your problem in that. Hey man, I like him. I do. He's a good guy. We're friends. And I like I don't Pettis too. Say anything bad. I, I'm not saying you I like Pettis also. No, you don't like Pettis because he didn't fight you. No, but I don't. I still like him. I like watching his fights. I'm a big <laughs> He's fan. He's a great fighter. I, I, he is a great fighter. He is a good fighter, and so is I. Cerrone is as well. It depends on Donald. Like, are we going to see? You know, coming off of the loss that he had, that was not very, you know, obviously there's a lot to be said about it. And there was a lot said about it. Are we going to, is he going to be kind of, it? you know, it, it's a confidence thing. What's his confidence going to be like it, after a loss like that? It really comes down to this. When, when you watch Donald, especially now in the last couple of years, 
Donald tends to do well with guys that stay square and straight with him. Guys that give good lateral movement and cut angles on him and make him adjust his feet, he, he tends to get caught off of that line that he wants to be on and then gets touched and then it starts to break him down a little bit. And Pettis is uh, of the pedigree right now. This is not a real good matchup for Donald. Yeah. I'm just going to, you know, I'm not saying that Pettis hasn't had some struggles with some of his fights, but he's still an outstanding striker who creates beautiful angles that ends up hurting his opponent. So good matchup. I, I like, I like the, you know, the rematch with it. I just think that Pettis at this point, he's just the better fighter. You know, I was just watching the the Cerrone and Ferguson fight, and Donald had some success in that fight in the first round. I mean, even though I know the fight didn't go his way in the the nose thing and the swollen eye, but the whole thing was he was still landing some clean shots on 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 Tony. Oh, come on, come some, on, come on! Stop! No, stop, no! Stop. I'm simply You're saying about the first round. I am talking about the first okay, round. Okay, I, that, I'm going to talk. I was going to. I was going to talk round. about Pettis too. And, and when when he when he when he couldn't get rid of him in the first round, yeah. it wasn't even close to him getting rid. Of him. Yeah. We'll say he wins the round. No, he does. What happened in the second round? You know, he didn't win the round. That's the thing. He didn't win. I was okay. Saying, all right. So I was just I, no. I was gonna I, say if you go back and watch the Pettis and Ferguson fight though too, Ferguson or Pettis had a lot of success as well with hit, with touching Pettis and, and the movement and all those things. I feel like the two of them right now are in the place like you're saying. Pettis is a little bit above him right now because I feel like Donald has more miles on him. You know, in those yeah. knockdown drag out fights, a lot more Don miles. has a lot more miles on him. A lot more just miles. fights a lot more. Yeah. And so, but I would agree with you, but I think it's going to end up being a closer fight than what you're thinking. I, I hope think. so. I hope so too. I hope so. I hope so too. Because I, so. I would love to see those two just stand in the middle. Oh, and yeah. go. But I think it's going to be a good fight. Oh, gosh, stop it. Just <laughs> stop it. I already know. You just. <laughs> I like Pettis. Stop trying to stir the pot. I like Pettis. I, I'm I am a big fan. Go ahead. Jeremy Stevens versus Calvin Qatar. Okay, so I don't know anything about Calvin Qatar. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, I do. He's I'm sorry. Right. I don't know anything about him. Okay, so good. I'm gonna let you just have at it. Go ahead and talk about Jeremy all you want right now. Go ahead. No, I want to hear what you have to say about Calvin Qatar. I, I love I love Jeremy Stevens. <laughs> Little heathen has been in God, this has to be close to his thirtieth. UFC fight. I don't, I don't know what it's yeah. at, but you know he's been there forever. I did his first fight against Dean Thomas there, and he has just had one incredible career. But he is a stand-up brawler. That is what Jeremy is. He wants to get into the brawl with you. He wants to force you into this competitive match, and Calvin Qatar is not the guy to do that with. He is absolutely super sharp with his striking. His stand-up is clean, and he's long. He's longer than Jeremy, and he is going to counter everything that Jeremy does. Calvin, I'm telling you, Qatar is so good. Now, he had his he had the fight against uh, Zabit Magomedov. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think I said that. Sharaparov, I can't say yeah, the yeah. whole thing. Yeah, yeah, just Zabit is fine. I think everyone Zabit. gets it. Thank you. <laughs> and, you know, he ended up losing that fight. But he was coming on in that fight also because he finally figured it out. And he's a lot better fighter than people give him credit for. He's good. And he's going to be good for a while. And he doesn't take a whole lot of damage. And Jeremy needs to be damaging people. And I just don't see Jeremy having an easy time getting in on Qatar. He is really 
an outstanding fighter. How's his grappling? It's good. It's as good as, you know, it's not, you know, he, he really works out with like Joe Lozon a lot and mm-hmm. stuff. So his grappling, it's good. Now, is it, you know, the best out there? No, but he is absolutely efficient with it. He knows how to control position. If he's in the top position, he knows how to, you know, get himself out from underneath. He's always working to get himself back to his feet because that's where his skill set is best. Yeah. But he's going to have no problem on the ground in this fight. So I really look at this is a tough fight for Jeremy, a guy who I really love to watch. I love the guy as a fighter. This is this is one of those ones where, you know, like you, everyone knows who Jeremy Stevens is and not a lot of people know who yeah. Qatar is. And it's tough to take that fight because you are fighting a savage when yeah. you step in against this guy. Yeah, just from what you've talked to me, what you just said right now, I mean, like, Jer- I feel like there's the only way for Jeremy to win, then, if that's what you're talking about, is outside of a knockout. You know, you catch him coming in or, you know, catch him on the way back because Jeremy has that knockout power moving backwards as well. Yep. Jeremy's got to pick and choose his shots. I feel like he's coming to his own a little bit more with the kicks ever since he's done, ever since he fought Gilbert, was able to, you know, with the leg kicks, the calf kicks. That I feel like is a whole new weapon for him. And that will help slow down the kickboxing of whoever else he's fighting. You know, he's just got to make sure that he keeps his hands up, doesn't get in. Even though he likes to brawl, if when you're fighting someone who you think is potentially a little bit better kickboxing than you, you don't want to get into those brawls because it may be a little bit step ahead or there's one, there's something that's going to come from an angle you're not used to fighting against. So I've, I've always made, like when I think about it, I'm thinking that, the best way for him to fight is leg kick, leg kick, throw your one and two punch combination and get out. And if you're not going to be there, make it a tough and dirty, gritty fight by pressing him to the fence, knees, elbows, grind him on him. Like you said earlier, hang sometimes on the body, make him carry your weight, slow down the power and the speed and the agility and the movement, all those things of a good kickboxer. Do all those things in the first round because it'll play dividends for you in the second and the third. If you can slow the pace down by weighing on them, grinding them out, elbowing and clinching, kneeing against the fence, potentially try and threaten a couple takedowns. Doesn't mean you have to get them, but keep them fresh in his mind so he's a little bit more hesitant to pull the trigger on kicks and punches when you guys are standing square in the cage. If you make them think about those takedowns, that pays dividends later on when they feel like they've slowed down enough where they can't retract their foot fast enough from a kick or from a punch. So if those things happen and he can get in on a takedown and get on top, make him work to get up from the bottom, could play you know a factor later on in the fight. So oh, absolutely, yeah. You know. I wouldn't count Jeremy out of any fight. First off, yeah, All right. he can beat anybody on any given night. But matchup wise, when you look at what Jeremy does and how he does it and what he likes to do, he's facing a guy technically super efficient, super clean in the way he fights the stand-up so it's going to be a very interesting fight to watch to see how jeremy decides to attack him am i going to attack him with just brute force and try to overpower him am i going to be smart and i'm going to close the distance of time make him have to carry my weight let his arms get a little heavier then go after him so it's a it's an interesting fight rosenstruck versus inganu (laughs) rosenstrike rosenstrike Whatever. Rosenstruck. Yeah. Rosenstruck. Okay, versus who? Ngano? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, just another guy that likes to hit. <laughs> uh I'm gonna I, I mean I've ever since they've started talking with the hype of Rosenstrike, I've just I've straight up just said that if this fight happens with him and Ngano, I think Ngano walks away with it. 
the athleticism, Damn. the power, all so the you're things. Just, saying, just because not, he beat Kane, no. now all of a sudden you're oh, going to be no, on no, his no, team. No, 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 no. I just think no, after no. watching Rosen strikes, I want to say it was his last fight. I think he watched yeah against Alistair. Again, Alistair, he was he was losing the fight. He didn't look he didn't look no that doubt. great. He wasn't he no wasn't doubt. as explosive as Ngannou. I think the speed and the power, sure, maybe the the power may be the same, but the speed of getting there is not the same at all. You know, um, the combination, the yeah, same. just the athleticism, the athleticism and the determination. I think from Ngannou and everything about it, it just, I, I think Ngannou walks away with this fight. I think it's gonna be a pretty easy fight for him. I don't know if it'll be an easy fight, but the one thing I, I'll I want to put up, Francis Ngannou has become a much better stand-up fighter. He was pretty raw, and he was, you know, he's he's a good athlete. He's a strong guy, but he was pretty raw, and his stand-up game has become much more technically proficient. The guys that are training him are doing a great job with getting him to settle down, take his time, look at that moment that he needs to give that energy, give that energy burst, put it out there, and then settle back down and let it happen again. Right now, I, I look at Francis Ngannou. He's the, he's the scariest heavyweight there is out there. No doubt about it. You can sit there and say whatever you want. Here's a guy that with one shot can close anyone down, and it doesn't have to be that clean shot. It can be a semi-clean shot, and he'll put your lights out. Yeah, He's got that power. Now, Rosenstrike is a good fighter. He's a tough guy, and he's strong, and he hits hard. I just don't see him being able to maintain his composure when a guy is hitting him harder than he's ever been hit to, you know, to, to give those shots, you got to believe that all oh, I can take what this guy is delivering and he's going to get hit by Nangano and go, Oh my God, that is a different beast right there. I got to figure out something else. It's a, you know, this is a slugfest, and I don't want to say, you know, Got someone, it's not going to go to the finish because then it always goes yeah. to the finish. So I'm not saying it. You know, someone's going to win it. How's that? Yes, very good. <laughs> Smart. I like what you did there. Yeah. Reverse psychology. What you got? All right, guys. Are you ready for the triple main event of the evening? The title fights? <laughs> uh, this, guy, this guy, man. Amanda Nunes versus Felicia Spencer uh, for the featherweight title. I, I like Felicia Spencer, man. Dude, I love Felicia Spencer. Yeah. And I will tell you, and it, as Amanda on the ground is very good. Mm -hmm. You saw that with her ability to take Jermaine down, control position, beat her up, get to better positions on the ground. She's got great jujitsu. But there's always that person out there when you watch them on the ground, you go, oh, that person's just a little bit different. That person does that really well that person puts look at their hips and look how they switch their hips on the ground just felicia spencer is that person now i think in the stand-up amanda's way better oh just no way doubt. better there's no just doubt. way better i mean it's so amanda's gonna want to keep this fight on her feet you know she's gonna be doing everything she can to keep this fight standing and just beat up felicia spencer a la what Cyborg did in her last fight in the UFC against Spencer, where Spencer had opened up the good cut on uh, Chris. But if it hits the ground, this is anyone's fight. If it stays on the feet, there's no doubt it's Amanda's fight. But if it hits the ground, this is anyone's fight. 
I'm going to look at it. I, I, I second to what you just said. I just think if Felicia wants she needs to do is she needs to press Amanda to the fence, take away the power right off the bat. She cannot afford to stay outside in that that boxing range at all. She needs. I think to, that's you know, the one thing that that cyborg fight did for her. Yeah. And again, we talk about hey, you don't lose, you learn. Mm -hmm. I think she learned that I can't just stand and brawl with these yeah. ladies. I need to employ what I do best. And so I think that's what you're talking about. And if you look at the Amanda Nunes fight with um, Jermaine, you can tell that she, even though she was able to win and get, have success, but after the first round into the second round, the pop on her punches was gone. It wasn't what it was as the fight went on, you know? And so she resorted to getting the takedown. She resorted to like, cause she didn't want to stand with Jermaine. The, the, it was smart, smart, smart game smart. plan. Both totally. of them. Totally. Um, but I think that, if that happens, if if Felicia Spencer can press her to the fence, wear her down a little bit, get take some steam off of those punches, make her work against the fence, knees clinch, make it a gritty, dirty fight in that first round, round and a half, Amanda Nunes will not be the, the same fighter going into rounds three, four, and five. That being said, damn, that's going to be a hard job to do. That's going <laughs> to be a exactly. hard job. Amanda is so good. She knows that people want to press her to the fence. She knows people want to sometimes take her down, get on top of her, try and do work. And she knows that, and she's very good at sprawling and brawling. We've seen that in the past with some of her past fights. I just, I mean, Felicia has got her work cut out for her. But like I said, the longer this fight goes, I favor Felicia over I do Amanda, the longer the fight goes. Well, I, I agree with you there, but that and that's the one thing if you are in Felicia Spencer's camp, you got to tell her, hey, not only do you have to get her down once, you're going to have to get her down oh. multiple times yep. because you're not going to just get rid of her. Okay, she's got an outstanding ground game and she's going to survive unless you hurt her, which is possible for anyone to get hurt. But you know, you take her down, yes, I want you to grind on her. I want you to put your weight on her. I want you to make it heavy and I want her to have to work. Because I want her to come out diminished as far as her energy levels into that second round. But you're going to have to do the same thing again in that second round. And then you're going to have to possibly do it again in the third round and then in the fourth round. So, you know, this is no doubt Amanda Nunez is the favorite in this fight. But yeah. Felicia has the absolute skills to win this fight if she can get it to the ground. Yep, I agree. Dominic Cruz versus Henry Cejudo. I love that fight! <laughs> It's my favorite one. Because why? Ah, uh, you know, styles make fight. And, and and not only that, Dom has said so many things about Henry at times that I go, well, now he gets to punch you in the mouth for those things. And so this is going to be awesome. But I, I really, I have nothing but extreme respect for Dominic Cruz. Everything that he's done as a fighter, his skill set, the way he does it, because it's different than everyone else, and it only works for him, but it does work for him, and he creates a lot of confusion, a lot of problems. But he also lives on the fact that he can take guys down at times, even though he wasn't this great wrestler. It's because of that awkward footwork and the way he moves in and out and the shots he does, and then he'll just... You know, he'll just do a knee tap, boom, put you to the ground. He might not even go down on top of you. He might for just a little bit and then pop up. And that's what you're, he keeps you guessing. I don't think that element's going to work for him with Henry. Mm -hmm. Henry has the ability to put Dominic on his back. And that's going to be something that a lot of people have not been able to do. A lot of people didn't want to do it. You know, but Uriah Faber was the last guy that was really always working to take 
you know, Dominic down and, and can never get it there, but Henry could get it there. Yeah. And Henry's standup is way better than people give him credit for. And he, he's proven that, you know, in his fight with DJ, he had some beautiful moments in that fight, you know, against a guy that makes everyone look bad. Yeah. All right. And, you know, that second fight that he had, very impressive. Then the fights that he had, you know, against TJ, very impressive. The fight against Marlon Moraes, very impressive. You know, this is a good matchup. And, and I, you know, Henry's, a lot of people are going to say that Dominic's the uh, favorite. I don't think so. No, I, don't I think, think so. that, you know, Henry is definitely the favorite in this. Dominic's coming in, hasn't fought for a while. I know he doesn't get ring rust, but this is going to be a very tough fight for him to win. Yeah, well, I go back to when you and I always talk when guys drop down in weight, which he's not. I'm, I'm saying when guys no. drop down in weight, but he's fighting somebody. They drop down in weight, they're fighting people that are normally faster. Well, Henry Cejudo is faster, and the speed is going to be a factor, and it was a factor when he fought uh, Garbrandt. So when he fought when he fought him, when he fought Cody Garbrandt, that was the factor against Dom. The same factor is going to play in this fight. And as much as I like Dom and as much as I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate for him getting this title shot, Henry is a hard guy for him to fight because the wrestling is not going to be a factor. Like you said, normally it is for him. He's able to knee tap guys. And I we had Juan Archuleta on. Juan, I'm not saying that they have they have similar styles, Juan and uh Dom. They have similar styles. Now Dom does it at a different level. We yeah, saw that, you know, different. a different level. But you when you say those two things, but Henry Cejudo trains with Patricio Pitbull, and they and they have a very similar style now of that wide stance, the way that they do things now. Patricio's wrestling is not like Henry's. You know, nobody, I don't think anybody's wrestling is like Henry's. But my point is, is that that style has shown that it makes it a little bit harder for guys to implement their game plan the, the, with the wide stance, the speed, the factor, the speed being such a factor. I think, I think Henry, I think it's not an easy fight for Henry, but I think as no. the fight goes on, the speed will continue to be a factor for Dom, like it was against Cody Garbrandt. And the, and Dom being the, the fact that he's getting a little bit older. And it's not as active, doesn't. And even though he doesn't believe in ring rust, it, you just you tend to slow down well, as as you get older as a person. When, when you go back and you watch Dom when he came back against TJ, and he took the title from TJ, it was that he won the early rounds and he was losing the later rounds because he was slowing down. Mm -hmm. You know, and the longer this fight goes. I look at it, the worse it's going to be for Dom. Dom yeah. needs to get rid of Henry. Henry, as the fight goes on, is going to continue to get stronger and do better and land more efficiently. And so I think that Dom needs to be looking towards making it a one, two, three round fight. He doesn't want to get into those championship rounds. But the one thing that for Dom, that if you're going to, if you're going to get a title shot against someone like Henry, who was like steamrolling guys coming up, it's best to get him right now because he's coming off the what, shoulder surgery. He's coming yep. off the shoulder surgery. He will not be what he was before. He will be close, but he will not be that same person. You know, he'll be, it'll be a little bit of a step behind, not by much because he's going to need a fight or two to get back on track, but he will be, he, he won't be what he was when he fought Marlon Marais. He will be maybe a smidge behind, but he's still going to be really damn good. And he's going to two guys. Two yeah. guys, though, that have, can claim they both have wins over Demetrius Johnson, and that's saying something. That's crazy. <laughs> Next. Okay, the main event of the evening is for the interim lightweight title between Justin Gaethje and Tony Ferguson. 
Yeah, I don't care about it. <laughs> I just had my fight. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I still, I'm just, I'm lost, man. I, I really would. I don't want to see this fight. I want to see it because I do want to see yeah. it. I don't want to see it right now. I want to see Khabib and Tony. Khabib That's the Tony. fight I want to see. And so but I. since we can't see that fight, I'm going to tell you how I feel about this fight. Fucking ecstatic! I'm super stoked for this fight. I'm Who's going to win? Super stoked. Tony. Tony's going to win. You think Tony's going to win? Tony's going to win, and I think Tony's right. going to do it impressively. I think he's going to he's going to stamp his name on it. I think now I was concerned when it was the fight a couple weeks ago. Uh, when it was the 18th, whatever, not why, weeks ago. Why are, you, why are you more concerned with it being, you know, on the 18th where it didn't happen, uh -huh. where Justin had less time than you are now? Because Tony, because Tony now has time to really adjust and let his mindset into being. I don't. I think Tony's probably one of the most mentally strong guys. Not that Justin's not. I think Tony's one of the most mentally strong guys in the sport. I think all he's got to do is make a couple tweaks here and there to his training. He's already had a full camp, and he's going to have an, almost another four weeks to prepare for, for Justin. I, Damn, I, you know what? I hate to say this. This is the second time. Josh, uh, <laughs> you're getting smarter, dude. You're getting smarter. It's scaring the hell out of me. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I, I just I feel that Tony, like I said, Tony has that that desire right now that I don't think not many people can match, and not that Justin can't. It just I don't think he will for this fight. Uh, even though even though he is given a little bit longer, you got to remember we're still in quarantine for most people. So is he able to get a full camp in? Is he able to get real training in? Is he able to do the things that he wants to do? Those are the things that are still up in limbo for these fighters. Tony's already had a camp. Now he's just fine-tuning up for the next four weeks, which can work against you at times because you ramped up, ramped up, now you've plateaued. But like I said, Tony is one of the most mentally strong guys out there. And I say this like, I say this with like uh, a little bit of that, I feel, I feel bad for him because the UFC has never done him any favors. And I've said this over and over. For a guy who's on this this long of a fight streak and they're they're having him fight Justin, this is not doing him a favor. Sure, he's the interim title. He was already the interim champion. He know, doesn't that, need to fucking fight for it again. They, they, they took it away from him when he never lost it. Yeah. That's my problem with it. It's like, well, he's fighting for something that he never really lost. Yeah. And they just took it from him. So they're going to take this sense. one too. You know, but I guess, I guess that's me throwing shade. I, no. It shouldn't be. But it's like, you know, the guy never lost that interim title. The fact that he ended up, you know, getting hurt and stuff with, I don't know. It was fluke. The, fi the, the five times with Khabib, that yeah. that matchup, for whatever reason, is haunted. It's jinxed. <laughs> there's there's someone out there with yeah. Tony and Khabib dolls sticking needles in them, man. But I really look forward to the fight. I do. I, I look at it the same way. I actually think that the more time actually benefits Tony Ferguson. Mm -hmm. I think he gets to watch a little bit more. He gets to see some of the things that Justin does. And he's going to go back and see some of the fights where Justin has had moments where he's in trouble, uh, moments where people have done things that have created problems for him. Tony's going to be able to pick up on some of those things. And some of those things he does very well. So I think Justin absolutely has the ability to beat Tony because Justin's got power. And if he mm -hmm. hurts you, you know, he can drop anybody, and he's he's just a, a go-forward, take, you know, take-what-you-can guy who just doesn't stop, you know, and he doesn't know reverse, but neither does Tony. So I see these guys standing in there just bombing each other. If it hits the ground, you know, I could see Justin definitely being on top, but that doesn't always put him in, a, in an advantageous position 
fighting against Tony because Tony can lock up the Dars from underneath him, no problem. He can do a lot of damage with his elbows. You were on top of Tony, you know, and you did good work, you know, while you were there, but he was doing good work on, oh, yeah. you know, part of it, especially when it went to the second round of your fight, man, he is when he started locking things up and you were accepting damage. That's the Tony Ferguson that's dangerous that Justin doesn't have the ground game to stop what Tony does. It's not even so much that like I was watching, I just watched the the Dustin Poirier fight against Justin Gaethje. There was never a moment there where he thought, fuck, let me wrestle when I'm in trouble. No. That's the thing that concerns me. That's always he concerning won't do me. It. Somebody like him who has the ability to take the fighter down and just like weather the storm, get my wits back about me. Okay, now come back up to the feet. Let me knock you out here. He doesn't do it. It never crosses his mind. Daniel Cormier said it live on the broadcast. He said... That's what scares me about him is that there was never a moment where he thought, let me use my wrestling to get this fight to the ground to slow the pace, to get my shit back, back in my head so I can understand what's going on. That never crossed his mind. There was never an attempt no. to reach for the leg. And the one thing I'm going to say, like you said, is that he pushes forward. But the one thing that gave me and a lot of and it's given a lot of people fits is that push kick. Tony throws oh, that yeah. push kick from all angles. He throws it at any time when you're not expecting it. He throws it from far away and lunges in because he's so long. So if Justin's walking in, you can expect that push kick to be dished out at will. And every time Justin, if you go back and you watch, every time Justin wants to get hit to the body, he kind of bends at the waist and drops his elbows in to try and crush that space so he doesn't get hit to the body. Well, when that happens, now your head kind of opens up on the hooks on the outside. So I could see Tony having his way with either also too, whatever Tony calls is like snap down city or something. I mean, that leaves your snap head. In, city. Yeah, snap city. It leaves your head in a perfect position to get head snapped down. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be able to get him to the darts from that position, but it makes it a lot harder when you're when you're hanging on someone's head, head snapping them down to the mat, making them stand back up, head snapping them back down to the mat, making them get back up. That's a lot of work. Tony has energy burn. Yeah. And so. That, that will eventually one one time, one or two times, maybe open up a chance at a Dars. Who knows? You know, so there's a lot of ways I feel that this benefits, this time benefits Tony um, and just him being able to break down Justin Gaethje and how he can capitalize on it. Plus, I said the whole time he's had that camp. That camp helps benefit and roll it right into this next three or four weeks before he fights Justin Gaethje, whereas Gaethje's trying to figure out where my coach is going to meet me, where, where are we going to train, which guys can I train with, where... Like, you know, like we're Cub Swanson, like you guys will find out later on. You know, he's he's locked down. His wife has locked him down, which is smart. He's got little babies, you know, but, you know, Juan, you know, not being able to train as much as he would like to because of what's going on with the quarantine. So all these guys are trying to put put together their camps. I don't think it's going to benefit Justin in a four week period to get himself ready enough to be ready enough to fight Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Still a good fight, though. Oh, still a, it's good, a fight. good fight. It's a great fight. That that if you take a look at those three fights, you know they're outstanding. Yes, and it's they sh it should be just fun to watch. Yeah. Now let's talk about the possibility of it happening. Ah, no. <laughs> well, see, I'll be if I say eh, there's a good chance it won't. You know, it, everything depends, and this is where you know people are talking about: is it going to happen May 9th? Hopefully, I yeah. hope it does. You know, is it going to happen in, you know, Dana was talking about doing it in the Apex Center, which mm. is obviously at the UFC uh, compound there in uh, Nevada, Nevada and Las Vegas. But right now, the governor for uh, Vegas, Sisolak, just extended 
the quarantine thing. So you know, the problem for Dana and for the UFC is the athletic commission is under you know the purview of the government and of Governor Sisolak. And if they say quarantine, you're not going to do fights. It doesn't matter if they want to do them or not. They can't. So that's going to put Dana in the position where he's going to have to try to figure out another spot. And is he going to be able to get everybody there and everything? I'm hoping so. You know, if if the fight got, you know, moved back another week, I'm okay with it. You know, it's I, they're trying to do something, and I hope I hope it works out for them and stuff. You know, the last one was the way it was and where they were trying to do it. Yeah. I wasn't too thrilled with it, but, you know, Florida... Yep. The governor has said, we're open for business as far as doing certain things. Let's go, and baby. So, let's go. So their their commission <laughs> could do it. Yeah. You know, obviously they're not they're not gonna be doing it with a crowd. There's no crowd or anything like that, but the commission could actually allow the UFC to step in there and to hold those fights. So be it on May 9th, you know, or later on May 16th or whatever it's gonna be. I don't care. I just want to see that card. Yeah, I do want to see that card. I, I think if they are going to try to get it done on May 9th, Florida would make perfect sense given that um, the fake WWE wrestling went there and they were able to have, they were able to have, they're talking about having their next show there, I believe is one it is, right? Podcast Dave, this is your era. I'm speaking to you. Um, WWE? Yeah, they're, Florida. They're, they're going back to being live as of tomorrow. Oh, where's the Florida show? It's at a performance center. It's at a performance center? The WWE performance center. Okay. So there you go. I mean, like if they're doing shit, it's in Florida though, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if they're doing a show there, and I know it's fake, and I know all these other things. We we understand that. We get it. You know, podcast Dave won't admit that it's fake, but we know it's fake. We understand that. But there's John was to break. You were telling us so many different. There's so, there's so many things that are different. There oh my is. god! Come look at this. Is not you know, and this is nothing against the WWE, but the WWE is not a sport. Okay, it's not like baseball. It's not like football, yeah. where it's a, a real competition, and it is definitely not like fighting when it comes to either boxing or MMA in that the government has a say with what occurs in our sports based upon athletic commission. Yeah. The WWE doesn't need any athletic commission. So what you, just in the, in the minimum that you're talking about, Oh, okay. We're going to allow, you know, 25 people to be in this location. That's easy for the WWE to, to make that happen. Okay. For the UFC, it, it starts to become much more difficult just based upon personnel that they have to have there based upon just the athletic commission because yeah. now you're talking about having inspectors having you know timekeepers having the the score scorers table all these things are those are mandatory to be there so now you got to figure out different places to put these people they might not be cage side but you're going to have to do things in a different fashion to make it happen you know there was an article that was put out you know just recently by the athletic talking about what does the UFC really have to do to do this the right way as far as the way doctors would look at it and making it safe for the fighters and for the personnel and everything? It's almost impossible, you know, and I, you know, life has a risk, okay? We got to, yeah. let's be honest, there's a risk in everything. Now, you don't want to, you know, put someone else in a position to possibly be affected by, by one of your decisions, but... You know, they were saying that, okay, you take all the fighters. So the UFC would have to like bring all their fighters into, we'll say Vegas, you know, if they were able to do the fights there, if not, it would have to be, we'll say in Florida. All right. And they have to quarantine them for a week. 
And then after they're quarantined for the week, that's when they'll give them a COVID test to see if they have anything. And after they give them the test, they're going to see, okay, no, they don't have anything. Now we have to put you in the quarantine for one more week before, and it's a different type of quarantine. And then everybody that's associated with those people have to be in that same type of quarantine. It's like crazy. Yeah. If you're looking at it, it's like almost like that's unattainable. So you know, I, I'm sure the UFC has looked at, okay, what can we do that's, that is within reason to try to make this as safe as we can for everybody. But you know, you're never going to, you're never going to be in that position where everybody's happy with what you do. You're not going to be in that position where you can please everybody. And there's always going to be someone that's going to have the ability to complain about something you're doing, but there has to be that point. And I'm not saying that UFC has to be the first sport. In fact, I think we just got a thing, the PBR professional bull riders association, they're coming back. Yeah. You know, they're, you're talking about a big arena with just an animal and a person. You can do that. Yeah. But I don't care if the UFC or MMA is the first sport back. I just know that all of us have to start working towards coming back to a normalcy. Yeah, exactly. And getting back to work. It's true. That's true. Because, I mean, people need, you know, there's different ways. I feel like there's different ways to look at it that, you know, just in just in California, I believe they were I was reading a report that domestic violence since this whole thing has started has went up 40 percent. Oh my God! You know, and so then that—I mean, and then you would imagine baby booms. I, I could have—I could have I, I won a ton of money betting on that one. <laughs> you know, but it's like then you have baby booms probably in November. You know, oh, and God, then yes. then you'll have divorces probably in the next couple of weeks. Corona um, babies. You know, it's Corona babies. <laughs> you know, so you have a lot of things that are going to lead. They're going to—they're going to play a factor later on. You know, that come along with this. So there's. There's different ways for me to look at it. I'm excited for the UFC to have this card on May 9th. I don't know if it's going to be in Vegas, but I'm hoping that the fight happens regardless, whether it's Florida, yeah. whether it's other states. Because, I mean, there are other states right now, like the the governor of um, South Dakota, they never shut yeah. down. I didn't know that they never shut down. I thought they had shut no. down for a week or two and then they opened no. back up. No, they never shut down. And so they're open for business now. But they, they had, you, you got to look and say... It's understandable they don't have yeah less than ten this cases. problem with it yeah. you know it's like they they have very few and so you're gonna shut everybody down yeah. because you have a couple it's you know if you're New York hey yeah you guys got problems Jersey you know, you're gonna have, yeah all of that you you know you got some serious problems we gotta shut this down South Dakota I don't blame them you know why am I gonna shut everything down mm. when I got more people dying every day you know or having problems from you know stupid things that are you know yeah. weird. You know, I got more people falling off of horses there and dying. <laughs> Probably, uh, but look, I yeah, I hope the hard, I hope the card happens because this is a good card. I mean, I will always be a oh, little concerned. Card. I'll be concerned with the fighters on whether they're able to get a full camp in, like a good camp, you know, enough to get them to the level to fight, especially title shots, to get them to the level to fight the, the level they would like to fight, especially if they're fighting for a title. And for like people like Felicia Spencer, her first title shot. That's that sucks. You know, and you may not get the camp in that you want, and this is your opportunity. And it's like, ah, you don't want to miss it. You don't want to say no to it. But, but this might be a big opportunity when yeah. you're thinking about this, the pressure that comes with being in that championship fight. Yeah. Just the media and all the things that are asked of you, it's gonna be condensed. Yeah, that's true. It's not gonna be near as much. And so she doesn't have that same amount of pressure that that challenger normally has. And then the not having a crowd, maybe that's going to be something that's going to help keep her nerves down and make her more calm. True. There's a lot of things going, you know, that you can say this in a, in an experience of Amanda Nunez being the more experienced fighter, 
and Felicia not having as many. Maybe this actually works to an advantage for Felicia because Amanda kind of needs that crowd and that energy because she's, well, she's used, used to, to it. it. She's comfortable. This yeah. might work for Felicia and be a better uh, atmosphere for her. Yeah, I feel like the odds of them having the card is a lot more likely now. They think like, a lot of states are lifting their bans. I mean, what do they say? Like 29 to 30 states will be lifting their bans by May 1st. So this is May 9th. Who knows? Some of these other states may jump on board as well as they get closer to May 1st. So we'll yep. see. We'll see, man. We'll see. Looking forward to it. I'm excited. Hey, guys. Thank Can't you, guys. <laughs> thank you, Dave. Thanks, guys. Stay I safe. Fights. Stay safe, you guys. We all need fights. We need to see something. Activity. Something. Um, stay safe and uh, Juan Archuleta is coming up next. So hope you guys enjoy it and, and enjoy him. We have a special guest, Juan Archuleta, Big John McCarthy, Podcast Dave, Josh Thompson. Man, I'm excited. I'm excited to have you on, buddy. Okay. Big John was hitting me up yesterday saying that he was chatting with you and and uh, would yeah. like to get you on. So you guys were able to work it out and we were able to get you on today. That's awesome. Oh yeah, yeah. You guys are killing it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, um, so a couple. There was one thing that I really wanted to get in with you because last week I interviewed uh, Patrick. Don't Mix. let him do it, Juan. Don't let him. Don't oh. let him get into anything. <laughs> oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get into this for sure. Um. There was a couple things. So one is, you know, you had your fight with Patricio, didn't go the way you thought, and uh, you were coming yeah. off of an 18 fight win streak, I believe. Yeah, you know, and so yeah. that was your first loss in 18 fights. But you're also someone that jumps from weight class to weight class. You did 35, 45, 55. You've done it all. Like you, you continue to do that even now. And so though the title shot didn't go the way you wanted, now that the tournament's dragging on because of the COVID situation. Yeah. Has there, has there been any talk about you and potentially mix at 135 for the title? Because I I know I know that you're definitely interested in getting another shot and being there, and you, given that you just fought for the title at 45, that makes sense for you to go down to 50, uh, 35 and potentially fight there for the title. Yeah, we were literally in the middle of negotiation with uh, Tiki and, um, you know, uh, Coker and uh, Kogan, and they asked me, you know, what's your plans? And I said, uh, I'm down for whatever. I'm I'm open to any weight class, any opponent, uh, anyone that you want to put in front of me. I, I'm always willing to fight. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, you know, the 35 has been vacant. Um, will you be able to make the drop? I said, just give me a heads up and let me know how I need to train to get there. Because um, I'm not the guy that's going to crash diet and just put my body in complete deprivation uh, to make the weight class. I train uh, to get down there. Uh, so the, my training will be different. And they said, okay, well, you know, let us find an opponent. I think Patchy makes his book, but that's who we want you to fight. So maybe in the summer. And I was like, okay. And uh, when when they're in the middle of that negotiation, this thing hit and, yeah. uh, you know, it just put a screeching halt to the whole negotiation. The big kibosh. Done. Yeah. Yes, boom. <laughs> and then it went radio silence. And I was like, okay, like. You know, at least I could at this time work on build muscle, let things repair and, um, you know, uh, just put on real size now. So, hold on, hold on. You're talking about going down in weight to 135 to fight for the Bantamweight title, which is a good thing because you did take on a guy who held that title for a long time in Eduardo Dantas. And that was one of your best performances, a big knockout win. Yeah. But if you're putting on size to cut back down, what are you thinking? <laughs> well, you know, for uh, for me, I've never been like an extremely strong guy. Um, I've always had a lot of baby fat on me, so I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to work on you know Josh putting on real problem. muscle. And then, uh, yeah, we all do <laughs> all the pastas, beers, oh, breads. Horrible, uh, 
But, you know, Sam Calavita knows how to, um, in, in, in a proper time, like I said, it has to be the right amount of time, a 12-week, 14-week notice of like, okay, let us switch the body from, because I was doing like two reps, to four reps, six reps of putting on muscle. And then now we're going to uh, start switching things into, because hopefully it's looking towards June, July, maybe even summer, like I said, uh, which will be, if, if it's summer, it's perfect, because now I could switch that muscle and make it more, um, you know, uh, have more muscle than fat in my body. A leaner muscle. That's kind of like... Yeah, leaner muscle. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, when I was training throughout my career, I never really lifted weights, but I did a lot of like high reps, uh, low weight high reps. So if I did anything like that, it would be no different than just hitting the bag for a long period of time, you know, because you're carrying 16 ounce gloves, things like that. So you wanted to lean out, but carry, but carry proper muscle. I just call it, yeah. useful. I call it useful muscle. You yeah. Know? Useful muscle, real muscle. You know? Yeah, I have some old pictures of uh big John in a banana hammock and, um, <laughs> and, and he's, he's got the not useful muscle built all around. He's oh, man, just no huge. That. Just Did you huge. just see what my weight is? I am <laughs> just, ready to go at 155 right now. I there just is no you. way. That's oh, a good man. looking picture of my feet on that scale. I can't baby. wait to post those ugly <laughs> feet. Wait. He's got toenails. He's got the toenails that curl over the front. We're going to show the world after this show today. I'm going to post that picture. Oh, man. You know, one, one of the things that, you know, Josh brought up was not your last fight. You had a win in your last fight against Henry Corrales. It was a tough fight. It was, oh, yeah. it was, it was very technical. And both guys, both of you were worried about what the other guy did well. Right. But in your fight before that, you took on the champ in Patricio yeah. Pitbull. Yeah. Why is he, if you can explain, why is he such a difficult puzzle to solve? Yeah, I, um, gosh, man, I would, yeah, that's one of those <laughs> fights <laughs> you wish you could have back always. And I said that before that fight, like, I don't want to go back and say, I wish I would have had that fight back, but I definitely do because I was trying to go for the finish and he's very smart and it, it made me smarter when I fought Henry. He knows how to win rounds. Like there's still a fight that needs to be won. And uh, he knew, like, okay, I'm going to control him for this long in this round. And he, Juan could control me for a, a minute. But as long as I controlled the four minutes, I'm going to win this round. Or mm -hmm. as long as I took him down or if I finished the combination or touched him after his combination or, you know, he, he dropped me a couple times. And he just knew pinpoint accuracy. He knew how to win the round. And, uh, you know, hats off to him. He's hell of a fighter and, uh, you know. That's I was just like looking to go in for the finish, looking to go in for the finish. And it, it was like, man, I didn't know that I, I the whole the whole mind of like there's still a fight that needs to be won wasn't even in my mind the whole time, you know. And I think he knew like I there's a I'm gonna win this fight. It's gonna be a, a boring fight, whatever it is, you know, I'm still gonna win this fight no matter what. Like I'm gonna outposition him, I'm gonna outclass him, which he did, and uh hats off to him and, and he knows how to win a fight. What what threw you off with him when you guys got in there? What threw you off with Patricio? Um, I was thrown off a little bit before beforehand with the TJ situation. Um, you know, uh, I thought he was going to be able to corner me when we went back there. Uh, they pulled him at, uh, right before when we got down to the locker room. So my head was a little bit. Um, uh, you know, we me uh, myself TJ and Cub had came up with the game plan, and um, uh, Georgie asked for cub to corner him before the fight and so there were went uh cub out of my corner and um then tj got pulled and then when i started warming up with Dwayne, uh everything was warming up to the left side uh to my left side and um we had worked everything going to the right side and uh when uh, it just it was just oh man it, uh so that was why my mind was out out taken 
from the first two rounds. And when I got split, then I woke up and I was like, okay, like, I'm going to just go fight. And um, so what, what, what surprised me out of him was, you know, him sitting back a little bit. I thought he was going to come, uh, come forward and brawl. And so, so when he was able, and I seen him like waiting for openings, waiting for for him to take advantage of my of my uh, strong um, entries, I was like, oh man, this dude's good at timing, and he was strong, short, stocky. So, yeah, that's a, that's the biggest thing that surprised me: his timing. I I I feel like he's gotten um, not just since the Chandler fight, but but since before the Chandler fight, he's really come into his own with his being patient. And he's also yeah. learned that not to make it a brawl, which is the yeah. old uh, Patrice, the Pitbull brothers. Both of them have made their career in the beginning of making it a brawl. But yeah. lately, both of them have been really good about being patient, picking and choosing their shots, not wasting their energy. Now, don't get me wrong. They're still into the dogfight era. They'll dogfight with you when they need to. Yeah. But yeah. they have come a long way in, in fighting smart fights. And you, your your fight with him was a classic example he waited yeah. and waited for moments and opportunities for you to overcommit. And he was able to capitalize on a couple of those situations, you yeah. know? Um, but I wasn't sure if there was something that he did very well that surprised you. Because for me, I feel like his work with Henry Cejudo and his work with uh, Eric Albarison and those guys, I feel like his wrestling takedown defense has gotten really good. And in how he yeah. stands now, him and Henry yeah. stand, him and Henry Cejudo have that wide stance and the speed and the power to get in. And I, that's that stylistically for you, it seems real easy because the way you set up your like you hit, you hit like those little ducks or those high crotches to that yeah. that lead leg, but yeah. it was never there for you, and I, that's something that kind of felt like threw you off a little bit. It looked like it did when I was watching the fight. Yeah, now that you say that, uh, so when I was coming in, you know how sometimes people just fade back and then they would attack right away. Yeah, I, I, I was. Uh, that's actually what really threw me off. Now that you say that, was he would he would uh, hop back and then he would shuffle down into power. Mm -hmm. And uh, watching some of his, it's crazy when you fight and you like w spend time watching video on someone. Like in real time, when things slow down and you see him hop back and shuffle and load up hit the power in the right hand, yeah. you have a flashback of like Michael Chandler getting knocked out, or like, <laughs> you know all these people getting knocked out, and you're like, yeah. "Whoa, man!" Like, oh, I, I gotta fall for I, that. I, yeah, your peripherals, you're like, "Oh man!" And so it makes you more tentative. And you're like, oh man, I can't really commit that like that because he had a he had a bounce back and then a shuffle to 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 load up his power and that mm -hmm. that's why I was falling up short a lot and coming up um, into his power because I was just like, oh, I got to go in and, and and make it a fight and then um, you know he he that that's the one thing that threw me off. Give me give me a control. give me a in your estimation based upon you know you you train with guys like TJ and Cub and a lot of great fighters. Give me an estimation on, you know, scale of one to 10, Patricio's strength, his power, and his speed. So his, um, his strength, he, he was pretty strong until, I, uh, you know, um, on, on, on a scale, I say about eight and a half to a 10, you know, for, for 45s. I'm okay. sure he was a lot more powerful at 50, or he is a, a lot more powerful at 55s. Uh, speed wise, his timing was impeccable, which made him very fast. Okay. So um, a speed wide, uh, timing and speed, I give it a 10. And then um, his knowledge on, on, on fighting, 100% a, a 10. You know, he's very knowledgeable about certain situations or when to brawl, when not to brawl. Like, okay, I could brawl this last 20 seconds because I won the round, you know, but 
Um, and that's what he knew. Like when I hit him one time, I seen the look in his eye, wanted a brawl. I was like, all right, here we go. And we got in a little exchange, you know. And it, um, so he knows, you know, he he's very knowledgeable now. I, I say overall fighter, A plus fighter for sure. Yeah. Coming out of this, you in the beginning, you said that you learned things from him that you took into that Henry Corrales fight. What are the things that you learned? Because we, Josh and I always talk about, hey man, you don't lose. You learn either win or you learn. And as yeah. long as you're learning from that loss, if it's a loss, it's okay. It's going to happen to everyone. What did you learn? How to outpoint, uh, to make sure how to outpoint someone. Like, uh, make sure if the finish is going to come, it's going to come. It, it'll eventually come. But if it doesn't, come naturally. If, yeah. The, the fight, the fight still needs to be won. Uh, so outclass, learning how to outclass or like stay a step ahead of someone. Like, Henry was like, okay. I'm not going to fully commit now until I know it's there and I can throw my power. And so um, I never felt 100% of uh, Patricio's power because, like I said, he let it – He that's what uh, I learned. He let it come naturally. Like when I ran in, a lot of the knockdowns were from my momentum coming in off balance. It was never like I wasn't there in the situation or I got my bell rung. I was still completely coherent. Um, he just had – good timing and i was like okay i gotta take that into my next fight especially with someone like henry um that's gonna sit back and rely on his right hand and uh i know he's gonna he you know i wanted to make him think it was gonna be a, a barn burner and when i hit him as hard as i could and he and it didn't phase him and he, he came back and looked at me and he hit me with one of his uh as hard as i i mean he hit me super hard with the left side of my body went numb and it, and it ringed a little bit and i was like oh okay like He's not going to finish me because I just took 100% of his power, but I'm not going to finish him either. So I need to win this fight, and I got to find a way to outclass him and outpoint him. So that's what I, I took away from that fight. Yeah, the, the but a big difference between the two guys, between Henry and Patricio, huge difference. Patricio will still be active, but he'll still put pressure and he he'll dictate kind of where the fight goes if you're not doing something, if you're not trying to push him around. Yeah. Whereas Henry, Henry was just at that night, it looked like he was just looking for the one shot. He was trying to get you to fight him the way he wanted to fight instead of using like we talk about John and I talk about all the time is fight IQ. You need to yeah. use your fight IQ to set them up into positions that you want them to be in to get them engaged into that that brawl that you're looking for. You can't yeah. just wait and wait and wait thinking it's going to yeah. come to you. And and Henry just kind of let the fight, like you said, let the fight slide by or slip by him, waiting yeah. for the one shot while you were still touching and touching and you were yeah. still get, gathering points here and there. So, I mean, it makes a big difference on who you're fighting and how they and what their fight IQ is. Yeah. And, and that's why I left my back towards the fence the whole time. I didn't care. He was marching me down. I just was waiting for that distance to come in where I could touch, touch, touch. And that's something Cub is really good at, like. Touch, 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 power, you know, or like, okay, like I touched the first time, now I can explode into my next one. And uh, a lot of the fans don't don't see that, you know, understand what's going on. They say, oh, well, he marched him down. It's like, I wanted him. Like, I, there was never, because uh, his commitment, I would have been able to, you know, work out or, or adjust and got him on the cage where I feel like I'm, I'm my most deadliest is being able to fake the wrestling into striking or do the striking into the wrestling or pulling them off and like start working that grind. And so that's where I wanted to fight with Henry because mm -hmm. – Going into that fight, he was six and zero against all uh, against all my teammates, and so that definitely p played a hamper in my confidence. Not not in uh, that, and coming off a loss, you know. So you're like, okay, how can I start getting this momentum back? And it's learning your fight IQ, you know. It, it, the one thing that I noticed off of exactly what you're saying is 
you have that style where, you know, I call you the jitterbug. You'll move <laughs> left, right. You're, you're, you're southpaw. You're orthodox. You're taking these wide steps. Tell me when you were training with Dwayne Ludwig that you you figured out exactly how I need to be. So when I enter, I enter causing a little bit of disruption and that lateral movement causes my opponent to take that second to try to adjust. And that's what I'm touching and then I'm getting out. Yeah, I'm still learning that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a never-ending process. And that's where um, I think going into that Henry fight is where I really started picking it up because like, um, the long combinations, the angles, uh, blitzing in um, cost me against uh, uh, Patricio. And so when looking back, you're like, okay, like that makes sense why he tells me to throw jab into a check hook and then commit in or like, you know, touch the inside leg, then come in as long as I'm in that distance. Right. And then it's so um, it's still a learning process for me. I always wrestled both uh, lead stance, um, changing stance and uh my boxing coach, Zach Padilla, who I first started with was striking, he was very good on hitting and moving. Like he had the most punches thrown in a, in a boxing fight. It just got recently, um, a couple of years ago, broke, but he threw over 1,600 punches in one fight. So it was just like, he was like, you don't. Tired just hearing that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, and that's what he makes me do when I, uh, so I started working with him again uh, during this, um, you know, lockdown and stuff. But, uh, it, 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 I was like, man, I, I, I was wasn't working these angles or you know throwing mine getting under and then exploding in so like i said it's a learning process and i'm and i'm and i'm gaining more confidence going into it the you just brought it up as um training during this time you know quarantine covid everything that's going on like what have you been able to do now with uh being locked down yeah so my garage uh when i was actually growing up in mma like uh when i when i started mma I was giving out a lot of uh, free pri private lessons for wrestling. Mm -hmm. And I got a, a whole, uh, some parents couldn't pay me, but they had like extra wrestling mats and stuff. So I took those a, a, a long time ago and my garage is completely matted. Uh, I got bags and things set up from the, the the show Kingdom. They got rid of all their stuff. So I took a lot of the, the stuff that they had. So uh -huh. I have my own. Yeah, you home stole gym. it. Good job. Yeah. Well, they gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so because uh, the writer of the show was a good friend of ours. But yeah, he, he hooked it up. And now Cub only lives a, a block away from me. And so um, he comes in and trains. Uh, do, do my lifting here. Um, you know, I've actually been working out with a, a, a guy named Josh Rosen. He's a football player. He plays for uh, Miami Dolphins. Yeah, yeah. The quarterback, right? Quarterback? quarterback? Yeah, quarterback. for, And he played for St. John Bosco. Um, okay. Very knowledgeable. He, the dude's extremely smart. And uh, kind of picking his brain on, on some performance um, anxieties and, and uh, how to stay confident, keep things going. He's helped me out a lot. So it's been cool. So the the weight cut down to thirty five. I, I feel like I feel like that that mix between Patrick Mix and yourself is just destined to kind mm -hmm. of like collide. And I just yeah. did an interview with him um, last week. I believe last Friday, I believe it was for the Bellator YouTube channel. So if you guys haven't checked that out, we talk about you a lot. You know, yeah. because I I have talked about you know you guys had trained together before at Greg Jackson's. Um, yeah. you know you had ha you were very complimentary of of him and his skills and how good he is, uh, especially yeah. on the ground if he gets to your back, those type of things. What makes him so dangerous, and where do you see him in that mix? I mean, I'm not saying you guys will fight for the title next, but it seems like the it's heading that way. You know, you yeah. with maybe a win at 135, and him with another win at 135. You've got Ricky Bendejas in that area that now after his knockout win over Malambo in, in Ireland. You've got a lot of guys that are in that mix. James Gallagher is there. 
obviously you're at the top given that you just fought for 145 and then Patrick Mix is there. What does he do this so well besides take the back? What does he do? What have you noticed in training and things like that that he does that makes you that makes you think that this may be a tough fight? Yeah, I mean his grappling, he 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 has he he's very good at taking the back. Like you you won't recognize how he takes the back cuz you're in a scramble and he somehow uh like leeches onto your back and slithers through situations and gets mm-hmm. your back and you're like, "Oh man, that was a that was crazy, you know?" Or like some of he's very clingy. Like his his clinginess is hard to describe. Like there's some guys that in college were good riders and uh it was always hard to get away, but you know, you got to you got to kind of do a give to take to take from him, you know, and that's that's the type of style he is. But if you give a little too much, he's he's going to take. So, yeah. uh, he's very good at playing that chess game on the ground. Um, now, angles and stuff like that is going to be uh, a, a key to beat him. You know, I haven't seen like Ricky Bendejo say he was going to be able to go in there, go forward. He threw a jab, he slipped him and took his back. And that's how yeah. fast that's that's like he gave something and that's why he, he gave too much and uh and patchy was able to exploit it and that's what's crazy about him so he, he's like a, a a snake and very knowledgeable about how, how to slither and get to your back or get to a finish so you know it, it, if we if we match up it's going to be a good fight be, or it'll be a strategic fight i don't know how necessarily it, it would go um because you got the you know me worrying about committing too much you know he's never really got his cardio tested so you know there's a lot of things that go into it uh having the championship fight uh on the big show uh you know there's thousands of different options that are uh, um things uh, uh factors that go into play for that fight but uh i'm i'm excited I'll, i would, would i'm very respectful uh to all my opponents i love a great challenge and i would love for that fight to happen let me throw one big factor in there, which I don't think many people have thought about just yet, is you may be fighting a five-round fight for a title. Let's just say it's August or September, but with no crowd. That's oh, I what I was going to ask. I'm sorry, John. I stole your You're stuff, baby. You're a smart baby. man. You're a smart man there, Josh Thompson. <laughs> how, did, how did that taste coming out of your mouth? <laughs> like like vinegar, huh? <laughs> uh, I honestly, after watching the UFC fight in Brazil... I think it's better for everyone as far as judges. Um, I mean, just watching the purity of the sport. I, re- I, I think, um, you know, judges already have a hard time get, uh, making the decision when it, the crowd's going crazy. But I think when things slow down, you're able to really see what the fighters are doing or really hear the punches land or, you know, you're not going to miss out too much on 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 critiquing the fight and i think it it plays a good factor into into judging honestly i think you're absolutely you're you're right that for judges it's a better environment because it's a cleaner environment you are hearing everything when you're hearing that shot when it's a heavy shot and even though the fighter doesn't react to it you can tell how heavy it was or you see that damage and there is no you know (laughs) things on the outside messing with your head but for you as a fighter, there's an energy loss because you get pumped from the crowd and you get that that energy from all those people screaming your name and everything. So I know you fought, you know, for a long time and going back to some of your King of the Cage fights, it's in smaller arenas with, you know, not a whole lot of people. Yeah. Do you, do you think that that's an advantage that you've had all of those fights for a long time 
in a smaller area, or do you think that you've kind of gotten used to the bigger crowds now and you're feeding off of them? Um, the thing with fighting is like the setup of the of the arena is insane because as soon as you walk down the ramp, you don't see anything anymore because the it's so bright. Everything is uh, the main focus is the cage, and so everything is so bright. You don't really get to take a chance unless you take yourself out of the moment for a second and and, and look, which my dad has always told me to do, so I do. Um, but you hardly hear the crowd unless it's booing, honestly, like <laughs> for me, like, and that causes nervous energy for me. Like, uh, when I was trying to figure out Henry and, and the Patricio fight, like I heard the booing the most than, than the, than the oohs and the ahs, you know, and, and that brings nervous energy. So for me, I, I, I would find it, uh, more of my beneficial factor of, of going in there with no crowd. Um, our coach at Purdue used to make us ha have wrestling matches and we had an auditorium set up uh, in our wrestling room and he would just play music or sometimes not play music and just say, okay, if there's no crowd here, how would you compete? And we used to have to compete against each other or he would put on the speaker, the crowd and then make us visualize and wrestle. So I always liked him more with <laughs> no crowd, honestly, because uh, now I don't have no one to please or to make uh, clap or boo or let down, you know, so I think it would be uh, more of a factor, uh, beneficial factor for me. Yeah, the crowd gets you going when things are going. I feel like when things are going your way and they can also weigh on you when things are not going your way, because yeah. no matter what, that crowd, even though they if they like you or not, they're still cheering for a finish. So if you're rocked or you yeah. have your back taken or something, they're cheering against you as well. So yeah. it's it's a it's a it's a double edged sword. It and is. I, it's funny that you say the booing situation. Like if you hear you can hear the boos more. Normally it's because there's no there's no action going on at that moment. So you're both kind of looking at each other like, man, we're both tired. Let's take a breather. <laughs> and so you know when's going you know what's going on. They're they're booing, but you know why because you guys are both probably tired. Yeah. You know, but when there's action going on, you don't hear the the excitement of the crowd because you're in an exchange and fighting for your life at that, at that moment. So yeah. I just, in my mind, when you started saying that, I was like thinking to myself, this is exactly, these are all the things that I recall. I remember like, yeah, man, right. Fucking so crowd. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, John, did you ever really, uh, as some, um, someone that was in the cage with us, did you ever really notice the crowd or, uh, like, do you know what I mean by like when the light yeah. center point towards the cage? Yeah. You know, of course Anytime that I walked in the cage, I never noticed the crowd because I didn't care. Yeah. The the times that you would, the, the times that I actually noticed the crowd, I'll tell you exactly when they when it was, is when the crowd would start to boo. When I had a guy who was moments away from winning the fight with a submission <laughs> that they couldn't see, that they didn't understand, yeah. and I felt like taking and putting my middle finger and saying, fuck you, <laughs> all right, you bunch of morons. Yeah. This fight's going to be over in 15 seconds, and then there would be a tap, and I would you know, get him up, and I'd just look around and go, there you go, you bunch of douches. <laughs> uh, yeah. that, that was when I would hear him. That, that yeah. was usually the time. Yeah, you, Mike, and Herzog are some of my, uh, are my favorite referees because you guys would be like, you guys could boo all you want. I know what's about to happen <laughs> right now. That's like, it. He's going to give his back up right now because he has no other place to go. And when he, when he gives up his back, he's going to be fucked. Or he is going to get out if he gets gives his back up. You know, he just needs to scoot to the cage a little more. So you guys give those little extra beats that are appreciative of fighters. And you sit back and you watch and you're like, man, this rep is going to stand this shit up. I know. Oh, it. Yeah. Sometimes refs are like, get up. And you're like, oh, no, you're, oh. oh, God. Yeah, that would, the, be the best time you would have is 
corner corner guys that sit there and they they see their guy and they can see uh oh he's he's getting he's getting just moved over and in that that position is coming and they're, they're immediately into going he's not advancing he's not advancing he's like shut <laughs> up dude you know yeah one being that's, Joe that's Stevenson he's always like that oh Joe Stevenson is great <laughs> yeah he's hysterical love, yeah he'll try to tell you something just so uh to get your mind off something and that's why i always tell him i was like man you're crazy the way you, you try to manipulate the refs or the uh, your opponent and he's like hey it's part of the chess game as a coach that's part of the game that's it <laughs> yeah greg jackson was, was doing has been doing that for years every time yeah. there would be a kick or a punch thrown doesn't oh. even land hey oh good <laughs> job hey keep doing your just and i'm thinking to myself yeah. Gosh, shut that up. That didn't even land. I didn't even land. And I'm like, shut up. Well, you know, but they, Greg, Greg and Mike actually have it, you know, pretty well planned out because if the fight is on the ground and they're, you know, their fighter is, you know, either underneath or on top, Greg is the guy. He doesn't cheerlead anymore. He's the guy barking out instructions. And Mike Winklejohn is the guy going, beautiful, that away. Oh, yeah. You know, you. And, yeah. Hyping if up. It's, if it's reversed, if it's in a stand-up, Greg is the yeah. cheerleader, and he's you know he's the one going, "Oh, beautiful! Oh, that beautiful <laughs> shot! That's the way, baby!" And yeah, every man. time, if if they're if they were in the corner, and it was a eh, fairly close round, but I know their their fighter lost, I'd go to that closest judge. I go, I know he just went. Yep, yep, he just went the wrong way. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, hey, that's their job, yeah. and they're good at doing it. Yeah, you know who told me that was a uh, Tim Elliott when he fought um, John Dodson on. He's like, he was like, man, he would throw combinations and wouldn't even hit me, but I thought he hit me because the way I he was coaching. He's <laughs> like, wait, does did any of that land? Because I feel like I, I, I just feel blocked it. them all. I'm yeah, feeling good. Yeah, he would. He was like, man. He's like, I tell you what, it defeated me mentally as an opponent uh, fighting. Uh, against greg jackson and winkle john yep. yeah it, it's funny that you just said that because some of the biggest prop some of the biggest problems that i had in the cage was fighting people that talked to me while i was fighting and corners <laughs> that made it out to be something because then i was getting mad at them not actually yeah. focusing on the guy i was fighting i was like almost there was moments where i wanted to turn and be like shut the fuck up like, Do you notice what I, what I said hey that was really smart of you josh well now yeah. i'm going right back to the way i've always felt <laughs> yeah there was just those moments you know you think to yourself you know like the fighter would talk to you and to me it was that would bug me i'm like stop talking to me i'm trying to kill you right now stop talking to me and yeah. then there's the corners that would be talking like oh yeah he's not getting anything like when they start talking to the ref they don't stand him up he's not advancing he's not this you know and i'm thinking to myself shut up like i just want to just tell him shut up i just kept going but it's there was plenty of times where i wanted to turn to the corner and be like shut the fuck up oh so that's what khabib does yeah, yeah. <laughs> he does he cracks me oh, up oh man i've yeah. never had a guy when he's he is pounding on guys talking to the other corner says what are you going to tell him to do now yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, it's oh this is my destiny I've, I've always said like oh yeah i'm gonna try to talk to my opponent this fight and i completely like leaves my mind yeah, you know, yeah. I never, don't, like, don't try to do so something don't. that is just not who you are yeah, yeah okay. like been infatuated with like the game plan and like the yeah. fight you know, because I love competition. I, I'm a, an extreme addict of competition, you know, and it's just like you go in there and, it, and that's the last thing on your mind is talking to someone. <laughs> uh, we just had we just had Dwayne Ludwig on uh, recently. And, um, you know, the return of, of TJ is coming is going to be coming up here pretty shortly. Mm -hmm. 
and there's talk of him potentially getting an automatic title shot. And how, how what's what has been your communication with TJ since all this stuff has come about? And where do you lie with your guys' training regimens? Are you guys still close? You know, has, have you guys still been getting after it with each other? And how how have things changed since all this? Yeah, so you know, I've people make mistakes, obviously, and I've, I've I'm one of them. I've made mistakes in my life, and I've I've my my parents have always raised me and be like, look, at, it's not how you fuck up, it's how you fix your fuck ups, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, my dad has always loved me, and my brothers uh, have been there for me. And then um, when this situation that came up about, they asked me if I knew, and I said, no, I honestly didn't. And they were like, all right, well, are you going to be there for him? I said, well, what kind of guy would I be that you raised me to be there for someone uh, through the highest highs and the lowest lows? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not just going to abandon him, uh, abandon him because he didn't tell me this. Like, I- I'm I'm going to be there for him. I'm going to lift him up and um, and tell him it's okay, you know. And uh, obviously, I took a lot of beatings uh, through practices, um, you know, uh, that probably shouldn't have happened, but it made me a better fighter. You know, it, it made me more aware of of of, of um, you know, TJ is a very competitive guy in practice, and so am I. And so, you know, neither of one of us wants to give up give up an inch. But when we're we were training these long regiment hours and 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 recovering and trying to recover and you know do these practices, it was tough. You know, and uh, I was like, man, how how is he so ahead of me? And then you find out you're just it, it, it's a little bit uh, nerve wracking. But at the end, end of the day, you know you're like, okay, how can I be there for this guy? You know, he's, he's obviously broken down, hurt. And so we went through a long period of rebuilding him, like, um, like being there as a friend, letting him know that I wasn't just there for the highest highs, you know, I'm going to be here for your lowest lows because I'm a loyal person, you know, and I, um, it's sometimes my downfall, sometimes my greatest attribute, but if I have a friend, I'm a loyal dude. I'm going to be your friend no matter what, you know? Uh, and, um, so I've been there, I was helping him build up and then, uh, he wanted to get the surgeries, so he went through the surgeries, and I put him more in depression. And uh, he fixed his shoulders, and then uh, and, and so now we're starting to build him back up on strength, which uh, we're lifting together, still training together. Right now, his wife has him locked down, so he can't leave the house. But uh, you know, so I, I'm still here for him. We, we're still best friends. You know, I'm I'm, I'm going to be I'm a I'm a ride or die type dude. So uh, you know, uh, when is when is I mean, he's less than what eight months nine months out so uh definitely single digits um and we've been counting down together uh till it gets to compete but i'm excited because when he's training for a fight it makes me that much better because i have to be on my p's and q's and uh, on my toes and my defense has to be up when I'm, I'm i'm training with them because no matter what a combination's coming and i got to be able to block them and catch them so it, it keeps my vision open and that's why i'm so good at visions and and fights with between him and cub those two guys are just you know it's a perfect uh chaos what was the conversation um when all of it came out did he talk to you beforehand because i asked Dwayne the same question yeah. was there a conversation yeah. beforehand was it um and I, I just so we're very clear i'm a huge fan of tj just even despite all this stuff um, you know, I get, I, I, I have, I'm mixed emotions. I think for anyone who's he's been constantly ripping on anybody. Yes, yeah. I am. The kid I am. with what is called a I know. PED. I, I yeah. am, I am. But yeah. I have mixed emotions because I am a fan, and I have always yeah. been a fan. I love his fighting style. You have a very similar fighting style. I love right. watching you guys fight, and I'll continue to love watching you guys fight. I do have right. mixed emotions about it, but of I course. just want to know what the what the conversation was because Dwayne said he didn't find out about it until the media came out and he had read about it, and with you, and he had got a long text from TJ explaining everything 
what was the conversation with you guys and and where do you see it going like future wise for him like title shots and his career moving forward yeah so um there was a fight when georgie fought emmanuel sanchez mm -hmm. um out in thackerville uh when uh georgie uh replaced whoever dropped out when uh emmanuel uh opponent dropped uh, we were out there and uh i think it was either fight day or weight cut day and i'm my phone's blowing up and i look and it's some of the training lab athletes that we train with and they were like hey man what did tj pop for like hopefully this doesn't affect us you know like uh it was it something coach cal gave us was it this was it that and i was like what are you talking about he's like dude open up your instagram oh okay it was weigh-in day that's right because i was up all night cutting weight with georgie and uh when i when i looked i was like oh <clears throat> shit he, he filled for something and so the first person i text was coach cal and um he told me you know it might have been a uh, marijuana metabolite he, he didn't know either and i was like okay and i don't want to text tj because i figured you know yeah. things was getting blown up and uh for him anyway so uh I told Georgie, Georgie's like, what's going on? Because he started getting that nervousness. Nah. And I was like, oh, man, it says that TJ popped for something. He's like, what do you think it is? I was like, the only thing I could think of was he was, um, you know, because we do use marijuana for recovery. Uh, some of the athletes do, fighters-wise. I was like, the only thing I could think of is marijuana, you know, like definitely not anything that Coach Cal gave us. And then we were, he was like, oh, shoot, okay, like hopefully it's nothing crazy. And then when I got back to California after Georgie's fight, like I was still – like looking around, asking people, and uh, but not going to the source because it's like that sticky situation. You know, I knew, I knew he knew, but I don't want to have him already have yeah. the pressure of other people. So I was like, I want to be there for him. And so I'm not going to be that person that says, hey, you need to tell me, you know. Yeah. And so weeks go by and then he finally uh, called me and said, hey, man, I just want to apologize. You know, uh, you want to come over and talk? And I was like, yeah. And so when he told me, you know, I, I was oblivious to the stuff uh, when he texted me. He said it was for an anemic medication, mm -hmm. but I read it wrong. I thought it said it was an enema. <laughs> so I was like, "What? Why would you take an enema, dude? Why like, are you taking an enema medication?" Yeah, I was like, <laughs> "I was like, we, we had the wake up perfect. Like, yeah. what do you mean? You know, like what the heck?" But he, he's like, "No, no, <laughs> like EPO, like stuff that." I'm that sorry, man. I'm cracking up. And I'm up. <laughs> sometimes one, there's honesty, and then there's beyond honesty. That's I like that. Yeah. That's good. And I was just like, I was like, "Fuck, man, that's crazy." We had the weight cut, everything, you know, because because he said it, it was because of the weight cut and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, and then when he's like, "No, no, it was EPO, like the stuff Lance took, yeah. uh, um, um, Armstrong," and I was like, "Oh man," I was like fuck dude that's big like that's yeah. like the blood doping stuff he's like no no it was like an epo and i was like oh shit i was like well, okay and so i started looking into it and uh i started reading like side effects of it and the stuff that it, uh epo does is like drowsiness like um uh dizziness and stuff like that and i'm like dude this totally makes sense like snifflings little coughs and you start like looking back and you start seeing some of the training where you know he get hit and kind of like looked like he was dizzy and i was like did i did you get hit hard or like what and then but then you start adding things together and then when henry hit him and caught him behind the ear and he felt in his his awareness but he said he was still there and you start adding things up you're like man like this did you more harm than good it, it yeah. seemed like you know like <laughs> dang like uh -huh. so that was the conversation and then i said look man like i understand but uh because Every every other practice, pretty much, his shoulder was always blowing out on him, like it was dislocating because he had no tendons or no ligaments yeah. in his shoulders. They were fully torn. 
uh, Torin and I said, look, it, like right now was the time to cash in for you because you wanted the double champ thing, which was uh, admirable, and I and I love you for it. And then, um, you know, it was tough because I was cutting down to 35 at that time. That's when I fought Ricky. And uh, I was like, man, you've seen me going through the same thing as you, and you just got to have more confidence in your team and your coaches and, like, know that we're here for you. You know, like we could have we could have definitely helped – um, um, changed some of the things we were doing, gave, gave you different nutrients or whatever, because my wife and Coach Cal's wife was cooking for him and stuff. So it was uh, it, it was definitely heartbreaking. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, we, we're going to handle it as a team. And, and so going forward now, uh, he knows that he could believe, he could ha- fully trust in us, right? It's like, look, put 100% trust in your team. Let's work towards, even if you never – win a title again we're still gonna uh make you the best ability to fight the best you can without having to rely on a crutch like a a performance enhancing Mm -hmm. and that's what sucks for some of the people that are um i want to say uh like when someone lacks confidence what's uh why am i was that uh so when you lack confidence like uh what's the word for i'm looking yeah um, doubt not doubt, but like insecurities, right? So insecurities, like people have insecurities in their training, their strength. And so that's why they take this performance enhancing, I feel like, because, you know, George St. Pierre is a very insecure dude. A lot of these people have very a lot of insecurities and they need a crutch to lean on. Uh, some people train harder and they need the focus, you know, so. A lot, a lot, a lot of that comes from uh, just real quick. A lot of that comes from overtraining. So when your body feels run down, you feel like you need to do a little bit more. And the more, and the more you do, the worse it gets. And then that's when people start taking. And that's that's the issue. Like they start training and training to the point where their body's so broken down they can't perform like they should be performing because their body's broken down from overtraining, from overexerting themselves. When all they need to do is rest. Yeah. And they start losing to certain guys in gym, the gym, yeah. right? And they're like, well, I've, you know, why is he beat? It's okay, dude. Like, you're losing in the gym. It's fine. Like, yeah. the ultimate goal is the performance, performing at that night. You know, you don't have to win every practice, every round. Because there's times, like, of course he gets the better of me, but sometimes I get the better of him. And uh, he would be, like, distraught, pissed, like, mm-hmm. wanting to go harder. It's like, <laughs> dude, you know, it's training. You're going to lose yeah. some, you know, not every day, you know, but – that I guess that's for some champions. That's why he's a champ, you know, the the wanting the competitive edge. But I see him coming back, rebounding. Um, I think he for for you know I've always been um, an advocate for people that are just natural and, and you know supplements. I didn't start taking supplements, so I got into fighting mm-hmm. with Coach Cal, like amino acids, proteins, and stuff, because mm-hmm. I always wanted to know where my body felt at. So I, if I needed to recover, I can. If I'm too tired, I know I'm run down, I'm beat down. But, you know, the amino acids have, have made huge gains in my career, protein and dieting and, you know, the proper training. And so I the reason why I bring that up, because I've been huge advocates on if you fail for a performance enhancer, whether you're my teammate or not, like, I feel like you have to, you know, show proof, you know, fight some, which he's not afraid of fighting some of the top guys in the weight class first and then fighting for the title. Yeah. Of course, fighting for the title brings a lot more money and that's why people want to do it. But I feel like sometimes when you have the title, it's a crutch or I mean a disadvantage because you don't get to fight as often, you know, and I'm a huge uh, guy that loves to fight five, six, seven times a year, um, you know. Enjoy all your young buddy. Two questions. <laughs> yeah. I got two questions before we finish up here. Yeah. You were part of that Featherweight Grand Prix. Obviously, the second half of the the second round, we had Pitbull that was going to face Pedro Carvalho, and we had Vaishal 
facing Emmanuel Sanchez. We already have Darian Caldwell and A.J. McKee off in the one side. So mm-hmm. break those fights down for me real quick. Who do you yeah. see winning between Pedro Carvalho and Pitbull? So I, I think Pitbull's going to get it. I think he's uh, Pedro's going to keep trying to go for the finish, go for the finish, because he wants to prove, right, that he's the best. So he's going to fight like you did. Yes, and uh, <laughs> and if he doesn't fight like that, it's going to be a lot closer fight. Um, and Pitbull, he's going to know, like, okay, weather this storm and then take advantage. Weather the storm, take advantage. Conserve, exert, right? So I, I got I got Pitbull on that fight. I'd love to see Pe- uh, Pedro win, but I think – just the the knowledge and the experience that Pitbull has is going to lead him to victory in that fight. All right, Vaishal and Sanchez. <sighs> Let me Come flip on, a coin. Baby. Let me flip a coin real quick. Because <laughs> man, that 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 fight is an awesome rematch for those two. Um, I got Sanchez. He's just a lot a lot more dirtier in some of those fight and and some of those little brawls and exchanges. You know, very tricky. And um, so I got I got Sanchez on that one. Okay, then, if you were going to match up Pitbull and Sanchez again, since that would be a rematch, who would you say is going to win that? Come on! It's so good. Uh, I got, it's, honestly... This is so easy. Yeah, I got Pitbull winning the whole thing. Uh, Whoa! Yeah. All right, on the other side, you had yeah. AJ McKee and Darian Caldwell. That's a heck of a matchup. Yeah. I So, I think it's going to be a long fight. Uh, they're going to wait, to because they're both counterfighters, right? And... Um, uh, AJ's going to commit, and Darian's wrestling is so slick that I think he gets the takedown, but AJ's slick with grappling. I've grappled with him, too, and his grappling's, uh, you know, A-plus for sure, but so is Darian. He's a very good rider, very good at, you know, finding opportunities. Um, I, I, I got I got Darian winning that fight. Okay. So then you have Pitbull winning the whole thing, so he remains the featherweight champion of yeah. Bellator. Give me in one year's time, since we have this COVID going on, a lot of things happening. The year 2020 is kind of up with everyone. No one knows. Yeah. 2021, where do we see Juan Archuleta? Um, I think by the end of the year, honestly, if we get the Featherweight Grand Prix done, uh, it'll be me and Pitbull fighting for the 35 title and then hopefully getting my rematch for the 45 title. You think it's going to be you and Pitbull for the thirty-five title, and not Patchy? Because I'm gonna, I'll have, I'll have the thirty-five title. Okay. By the end of the year. That's what I wanted to hear. I know, I know, Pitbull wanted to drop down, and that's why I know. I, that's what I'm, my, what I was gearing for, anyways, was dropping down to thirty-five, getting this title because it's something that he's been covenant about, about getting three different titles, and then that'll help me start working my way back up to be the first three, t- three title holder. <laughs> I like wow. it. I like yeah. it. Yeah, you got but your if that doesn't full. go, so if the which which is a little hiccup because I talked to Kogan a couple times. No one cares about the thirty-five title. Da, da, da. I'm like Kogan, <laughs> listen, it's a title, and no one cares about it because you guys aren't promoting it. Yeah. So let me get down there, <laughs> let me do my thing. But if that doesn't happen, then let me fight at fifty-five or you know a couple of these cat weights that you guys do anyway. Like let me fight more often then if you're not going to let me go for the thirty-five title, but. He, you know, talking to Kogan sometimes, he's he tries to throw little things out there to make it nonchalant, but it is a big deal, you know. But um, so I see myself in 2021 uh, or late 2020 fighting Pitbull, uh, defending the 35 title, and then it's going to be a long year because uh, we're going to have a couple rematches going for those other titles. A rematch like between it. you two and then Pitbull trying to get his third title would be. A f- 
there's all the interest you need for 135 pounds. Yep. 100%. Yeah. I mean, what do you guys think that as far as the 35 weight class? I think they built it up really good with um, bringing some new guys in. Sergio, obviously, is a huge advocate for the 35-pound weight class. That's Mm going to bring some good noise, you know? Well, you got to look, you know, Sergio just fought um, Alfred, Alfred. who you had fought a long time ago. Yeah. You know, Alfred's good, and Sergio looks so good against him. Yeah, yeah. really smart. 135s have a lot of really young talent, but really good talent. So yeah, it's an interesting weight class now. I, I can't believe Koga said no one cares. I care. I know. I, I care. That's what big I, told dog, him. Man. I said. I can't believe you said that because it's so disrespectful towards MMA. Like everyone cares about every weight class. You just gotta market it, promote it, and put the right fights for that weight class. Like I true. wanted to fight Dudu Dantes at 35. They told me no. I had to fight at 45. And then after I lost my uh, uh, um, um, title fight, I wanted to go back down to 35. And they told me, no, I had to fight Corrales at, at 45 just in case if I, uh, they needed a guy to uh, a replacer. And I was like, all right. So I fought there. But, um, you know, I've always wanted to go back down and fight right away, especially when they pulled the title from uh, um, Horiguchi. It's like. Why'd you pull it from him then? Just let him have it if you're not going to let no one fight. They for didn't the pull it from him. They yeah, didn't he, pull it. He, oh, he, he relinquished it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He relinquished, he relinquished yeah, yeah. it. Which, you know, I, I, I give him a lot Adam of credit Horrible. for doing that. You yeah. don't, don't sit there and hold on to something if you're not going to be able to fight. Let other guys, you know, fight for that title. Yeah, yeah I think that's what was cool. The, something about TJ. He was like, look, I'm not going to run from it. And that was part of the uh, talk we did too. I he, I told him face it head on. And he did. Like, he. A lot of people had um, advised against him saying anything. I said, and when he asked me, I said, "Listen, if you wait and not and go radio silence, when you come back, you're gonna have to relive everything. Just face the music now, do the interviews you need to, and you know, face the music." I, I, I tell guys all the time, you know, be it fighting or officiating. Hey, you know what? You're human. You're gonna yeah. make mistakes. Of all right, course. be honest about it. Don't sit there and lie about it. Don't make excuses about it. Mm-hmm. Say, you know what? I made a mistake. This is what I learned from my mistake, and this is how I'm moving on. Absolutely. There you go. Yeah, yeah I think that whole mix of you guys at 135 is going to be real interesting, especially like you have, you know, all the new signings from all the UK guys. Those UK guys are anxious to get over to the States and try and fight the guys that are here in the States, like yourself. You know, and yeah. Ricky Minahas is now making a pretty big name for himself and beating the 35 pound guys, especially the SBG guys. You've got all these guys that are in that mix. And I, I would love to see a 135-pound uh, tournament, you know, and there's a lot of good guys now with that. I think we're going to see uh, a women's tournament probably first. first yeah. I, would, I would think at 125, we got to get those women in the mix. We've got a lot of good talent at 125 um, yeah. for there. So I think we may see that one first. But yeah. I definitely think 135 is right there on the, in the, on the horizon. Yeah, I think if they let uh, um, KOG get a little bit better, you know, and mm-hmm. let him heal and, and really stack that tournament in, it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be a fun a fun time. <laughs> just as exciting as the featherweight Grand Prix. That was good to me. Hey, Juan, just want to tell you thank you so much for coming on. Heck Hope yeah. the family is healthy and safe, and you're doing oh, good. Yeah. Keep on working out in your garage. Yeah, and uh, we really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank all your fan. Uh, thank you to all your fans that are tuning in and listening and listening to chit chat. And uh, I appreciate it.
I like Stay the, safe out there. I like the new look, buddy. I like you the like new it? look. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. Nice. I, I got the little Chuck Liddell going on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my boys wanted uh, uh, mohawks, and they're like, you have to get one, too. I was like, look at I'm going bald. That doesn't look good. <laughs> they're like, no, you got to let it grow out. I was like, all right. So That's funny. I'm, uh, let it grow as long as it can. We'll put a little Sharpie tattoo on the side of your head. <laughs> <laughs> and a little uh, uh, Japanese. Yeah. Cha- little, yeah. little kanji there. We, yeah. we won't know what it says. But. Whatever it is. Yeah. Whatever you have. I don't know if it was Chinese or Japanese, but. It was one or the other. All right, my man. Hey, pleasure, brother, having you on. Right, we appreciate you it, okay? Thank and, you, uh, brother. Stay healthy. All right, you guys too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Right,